So welcome to It's Not All About The Numbers, the leadership podcast that doesn't just focus on the bottom line. My name is Chris and that is Mike. Hello everyone. And this is award-winning Associate FD, Lynn Titley. Hello. Hello. And look, if Hello. you're enjoying what we're doing uh, and you're enjoying the conversations, then please hit subscribe. If you also want to give us a review or click on those five stars, it all really helps. It helps the algorithms. It helps motivate us to keep on doing this week in, week out. And it helps us um, get, get speakers as well. So uh, if you're liking it, then please do subscribe. So to kick things off, how's everybody's week been? Um, so I think that the first update I need to give is that the, the puppy passed the puppy training course with the Dogs Trust. That's that's the really good news. So we, now, we now have a fully qualified dog and the other two dogs are really jealous. So that that's the main thing. Um, you get a but, certificate? Is it a bone-shaped certificate? I'll, I'll, I could show you the certificate. I can show you the certificate, but obviously it doesn't work on a podcast. But yes, I, I have a, I, he has a certificate, yes. Amazing. Very jealous of the other dogs. Uh, in terms of, uh, I've been absolutely swamped this week. I spent my whole week uh, working on um, an Open Data Institute project, looking at how to demonstrate that you're a trustworthy data institution or organisation. Um, which sounds really kind of interesting, but it means my brain's been working trying to translate jargon into easy to understand words in a spreadsheet. Um, love it, love it. Sounds then, like a sounds like a very yin and yang week. That it's, uh... it started on a high and ended on a high because <laughs> I've finished looking at the spreadsheet. <laughs> and Lynn, thanks for being with us. How, how's your week been? You're very welcome. I've, yeah, I've had a good week. Thank you. Good. Um, managed to get a bit of CPD in there, which is always good. Um, my week started very well. I always like to start the week, if I can, with a jam session on a Sunday night. So did that. Um, and also I had a fairly decent week in the FPL. So last year was my first year doing the, the Fantasy Premier League. Um, this year the husband is doing it as well. So we spend our, you know, Friday nights sat on the sofa trying to decide what changes we're going to make to the team and Love then it. see how we go. And I had a quite a good weekend as it goes on the FPL. So yeah, it set me up for the week. Well, so hang on a second. I've got to go back a bit, right? A, <laughs> a jam session, right? Are we talking uh-huh. cream teas or oh, you know, no. electricity here? Music. We're talking music. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and yep. Yeah, so I sing a bit. I play keyboards a bit and I live not too far from Southampton, which has a thriving um, sort of open mic and jam scene. So most nights of the week, if you if you want to, you can go and find something to get involved in. So I do I do a lot of that. Um, and it's great. It's a, it's a vibe. We really enjoy it. Um, so I'll go and we'll, we have a house band of whatever musicians are available that week. And you just get up and go, these are the chords, boys. This is what we're playing. Off we go. Sing a song. Uh, so it's it. pop songs. And, it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it sets me up. you along to one of our events. Yeah. <laughs> Very happy. Month, you know, that what is it? amazing. FDs have talent. <laughs> 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 Mike, you know Southampton, don't you? I, I know Southampton reasonably well, thank you. Yes, we, we were just talking before we started recording about how Lynn and I were at Southampton University at the same time, and our circles probably crossed at a particular <laughs> bar and nightclub that I used to work at. I know it well, I know it well. Well, you know, we'll save that to maybe the secret pod or the <laughs> pod or whatever I, it is, you know. It, it, it's an after dark session, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, <Good stuff. laughs> I'm sure we signed something at some point to say we wouldn't tell anybody about it. No, no, exactly. <laughs> um, sounds amazing. But I, I'm quite proud of myself because I actually started a fitness program this week. Ooh, uh, and um, 
on the business side, I I met the new CFO from Microsoft UK, which is no like, yeah, he's been there 14 years, um, Jasper, and he's newly promoted to uh, CFO of UK. So, yeah, really interesting chat with him and um, obviously a huge job. Um, and, Jeez. you know, we're always sort of talking about Excel and how we should kill it off. So uh, I did. <laughs> yeah, careful what I'm you su- say. <laughs> I'm surprised he actually uh, answered the call, but no, that was brilliant. <laughs> and, you know, in other news, right, we're looking at what happened this week. Um, and Lynn, this is going to be right up your street. So, Mike, you had um, you had a look at VAR this week. Well, I mean, I had a look at VAR, suggest, suggest that I was working in the booth at what is Stockley Park and looking at um, offsides. But no, um, I saw an article um, that was shared on LinkedIn from uh, a company called TPX Impact um, around how the how VAR gives us some lessons that can be learned about, um, relating to digital transformation. I thought it was, it was just really interesting how uh, they'd used a real life situation to kind of get into some of the issues with digital transformation. Um, within, we'll share a link to the article. Um, of course. Um, what's really interesting there is, uh, I don't, just to explain what the situation was, in the Tottenham Hotspur Liverpool game a few weeks ago, um, there was a an offside given by the on-field team. So the lines person gave an offside. Um, it was sent for, re- and a goal was scored. Um, it was sent for review. Um, and in the review process, there was a miscommunication back to the team on the pitch, which suggested that, they had been right to reward an offside, where in fact they were incorrect to reward an offside, and they should have given the goal. Um, and it, there's a, there's been an audio released, and it was utterly chaotic. And but it what happens I thought again. Was, it happens again at international level as well. At Scotland, oh, Spain, Scotland, oh, Spain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The week that. after. The thing that was really interesting in it for me, and and the thing that the article drew out was that you can apply the technology, you can bring the technology in, but if you haven't got your processes aligned and your people working effectively to use the technology it becomes ineffective. And I, I just really like that as a, as a almost like a, a lay person's way of explaining what digital transformation is and, and how I believe it to be, which is you have to understand your people, you have to get the processes right, then you get the technology working. If you do it the other way around, mistakes happen, errors happen, things happen. But I, um, I don't even I don't, think, sorry, Mark, I don't even think there's consensus as to how to use it, right? Which is very familiar to us in technology world, right? You know, you bring in a bit of tech, but is it? But do the people actually agree on how it should be used? Because some, I feel that some people want that in play kind of decision making. Some people just want it to be a review. You know, maybe how they do in cricket. You know, where it's almost part of the game. Some people don't want it at all, right? So it seems like there's a lot. There's a lot that they haven't done to embed this. It's just been right. seen as like presenting this decision as fact, right? I, I agree. I was going to. What, what, what were your thoughts, Lynn? There's a couple of things that are springing to mind when we're talking about this. I saw uh, there's a thing doing the rounds on social media where a guy asks his son to write a process note for how to make a jam sandwich. And the son knows what he's got in his head and he knows what he thinks it's going to be, but the process note doesn't say that. And it, it, this happens all the time in business, right? When you, you come up with a great idea, you find a great piece of software and you think, oh, this is fantastic. I get this. I get what this is for. Surely everybody else is going to get it too. And you just make some, you're at risk of making those assumptions about what's going to happen with that thing. And you can't do that. Yeah. Totally. You're, uh, you're you're jamming again there, Lynn. You're jamming. <laughs> I'm on the jam sandwich again. <laughs> I think I might be hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's lunchtime, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's, um, 
No, so, so, <laughs> so what you reminded me of actually with that the, the the jam the jam sandwich thing is there's a great facilitation um, site, and I think you, you basically Google how to make toast, and it's very similar. Yeah. So it's a facilitation exercise about how you actually make toast, and yeah. it identifies exactly that when you've got a process in play that you make so many assumptions and leaps and actually I think that that's the situation with VAR in some respects is that we forget that when technology started to get to apply to rugby and started to get applied to cricket there were teething problems it didn't work as smoothly as it now now is and actually I think the sharing of the audio is in a way exposing the work that they need to do to make mm. things smoother so yeah. I, I kind of admire them for doing that in some respects because they could have quite easily sat on that and hidden it away but actually they said no look we accept it doesn't work yeah, um, yeah. and, and cricket and rugby aren't you know I watch more cricket and rugby than football but th- th- it's not perfect there either you know the, the we found out in rugby that the the TMO was basically listening to the TV commentary and they were almost being prompted for the review by the TV commentary. Oh. And then it would drop away when they were doing their review. But they're being influenced, you know, outside the game. Now, is that is that right? And then in cricket, oh. yeah, I, I actually I actually really enjoy the way they do it in cricket. And I think it does align to, you know, these are always sort of tenuous links. But I think it does align to getting transformation right, which is, we all they've all agreed on the outcome right they want a decision to be made they want the right decision they give the power to the captains to call one or two reviews in a game in a match um to question a decision yeah it's not always given as you know a review we all see the process on screen you know you could, it's scripted follow the process you know see the ai being applied decision made and then we sort of accept it and move on now cricket might allow it a bit more time in cricket to actually do that but i think it actually works really well and when you watch it on the tv it, it's sort of like it's a big decision made. i moment. agree you i know, completely I agree it. so yeah we've started uh we've the last couple of years we've been to a hundred match which is the newest sort of iteration of the cricket yeah, and it is part it. of the experience you're right they i guess they've got a little bit longer to play with um but yeah it's i don't think that the crowd get they don't seem to get bored it's it's you, you engage with it and you i think it's a much safer way potentially of proceeding isn't it so what what, what would you do if uh what would you be saying to the vars if it was affecting your fantasy league results <laughs> Um, I think my, my fantasy league result this year is so bad that it's it's beyond help. But to be honest, I don't think this is going to make any difference. Love it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. so the the other thing that we were going to look at on in this episode was um, this interesting concept that you brought to us, Lynn, around purple people. I don't know whether you wanted to sort of give us your point of view on on purple people because. Uh, it's it's quite a unique, I think, a unique perspective, a unique group of people that we might be hunting out in business. Yeah, yeah, I I, I latched onto it um, when I was working with Deloitte in around about two thousand twelve thirteen on a um, big central government um, data warehousing and BI project. Um, this was fa- been fairly recent at that time. There was this guy um, called Wayne Eckerson, if you want to look him up, who wrote this piece in about two thousand and ten. Um, and just a really potted history of it. He went to a college in Massachusetts and their mascot was a purple cow, nothing to do with there's other purple cows in 
um, management theory you might hear about, but it, it was just a mascot. And at the same time, this was an arts college where they a lot of them were sporty, um, but it was also a sort of an academic place. So they, they got known for being um, versatile and not just being sort of one-trick ponies. They were um, called purple people from this college and they didn't fit into a single category. They were arty and sporty and academic. Um, and this guy, Wayne Efton, from he, he wrote this piece about how he was working in the BI space and if you were to define technologists, pure IT technology people as, as red and your um, business operations functional specialists as blue, what you're looking for in terms of a BI implementation project is somebody who's maybe come from one side or the other, but moved into the other the other side spectrum and could understand how to communicate with people on both sides of, of that equation um, and help. So what we were talking about earlier in terms of that process and people understanding process understand the business user's point of view make sure that the technology was implemented lined up with that so he came up with this purple people we're looking for purple people in bi um, and i latched onto it at that time but i think that's how i that's how i work I, I consider myself a finance specialist but i love technology i love opportunities to implement technology to make life easier for people for people to work smarter more productive um more effective um more resilient so yeah, that's how kind of how I work is constantly looking for that. It's it sounds like we all need to be a bit more purple. In, <laughs> that's what this, he said. I think in this, in this modern world. Okay, it, it, it do you know if you extrapolate this out, is that what's happening? You know, you've got these two specialists, blue and red, but we're all going to end up a bit more purple. Well, I'd I'd love to say I think. I'd love to say I think that's happened, but I, I don't think it necessarily has. I still find myself when I go into a finance function, generally, I find myself at the far end of the spectrum. I'm lucky if I find a technology person or an IT person who is um, excited to engage with me on sort of front end projects and that that works really well then. Um, but generally speaking, I'm I'm seeing that finance, the finance functions are still very much core finance, management accounting, stat accounting, month end, not not really pushing the boundaries in terms of what technology can do for us. Unfortunately, brilliant, brilliant. and well covered there because it looked like Mike was trying to wrestle a bee out of his office. <laughs> <laughs> so, no problem, uh, Mike. Are you okay? That was that was the postman delivering a parcel, and I was trying to get it and intercept it before the dogs went absolutely ballistic. And success! So actually, I succeed. I was listening and 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 uh, achieved wow, multitasking. The Amazing. Um, I, it's it's really it's really interesting that that the purple people think that. And when I read it, I was like, "Oh, that is exactly what I've been saying in different scenarios in different ways for years." Which yeah, I, and, and I and I. I kind of disagree with that everybody needs to be a bit more purple. I think what what I think is there is a role, a specific role that needs to exist that can translate across the two groups because actually you need people that are expert in what they do in both both yeah. both parts or even from my background it's it was data it was always data somebody that wants to use data and the lawyers and sitting yeah. in the middle of that and and translating yeah. between each between each and actually that's that's the bit bit of land that I, I I've been sitting in for <laughs> for my career one of the things that I found more challenging recently is working on a project where the government digital service service manual is used to structure how a project runs which uses an agile delivery technique there are roles within agile delivery which are quite well defined 
but there is no translator role. There is, uh, so, so I come into these projects and I, I quite often am dancing around between different roles and doing different things. So some days I'm a business analyst, some days I'm delivering some service using the GDS terms. So actually I find it really helpful to have a language that we can use and the purple people thing's a really great one to kind of explain this translator role in a way that people can understand and, and see it as a skill set in of itself. Yeah, it links yeah. a little bit. It links a little bit to the conversation we were having with Dominique around business partnering, yeah. and to be a successful business partner in finance, you probably need to be quite purple, right? You need to be able to translate between this the the the, the you know not not all about the numbers, but in this case the numbers, you need to be able to translate yeah. between that and what the business is trying to achieve. Yeah. So yeah, I find it. I, I really, you can probably tell, even I, though I've got the, <laughs> the packaging, I, I found it really exciting. I do wonder what the algorithms are going to make of this. We had purple bricks last year, last week, and now we've got purple people. But no, I. Well, so when I when I Google it, you you don't. This isn't the first version of purpleness that you come across. There's, I think they've used it for kind of social um, mm. application, and there's sort of another thing about purple cow being in marketing. So there's a few different. Uh, but yeah, this is this is our I, I, kind of technology I, version. I, I would. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Dependent on your search history, I, I got prints. Yeah. Straight away in my head, thinking, <laughs> Prince, purple, rain. purple rain. Thank you very much. <laughs> love it. Yeah, I I must admit, I would love to see more people, more purple people out there. If if this stuff we're going to call them, I think you know, there's this huge sort of drive for business partnering training, and and I support that. You know, I think that's around communication, negotiation, trying to create impact of of a sort of a specialist area with the general area. So it's almost like talking to the the purpleness that we need to have. But I think purple people go one step further. And, you know, I don't consult anymore, but when I did, you know, whether it was BI or, or transformation in general, you I really wanted to hunt out those people, mm. you know, and I was looking for, you know, I kind of called them reluctant accountants. You know, there mm. were people who were kind of... <laughs> They were, they were doing their job, but they were like, oh, there's got to be something else. Yeah. <laughs> um, and when you found them, you know, it was like, it was bingo. It was really great moments. And sometimes they were seen as slightly rebellious within the team. Yeah, right? yeah, um, yeah. Does that? I get that a lot. I really resonate with that. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I'm always, I always feel like I'm on that, the end of the distribution, whatever distribution goes. Because um, yeah. I'm constantly looking for it, it's, I'm a, I, I would identify with the term disruptor as well. I'm, and that's, you know, people can misunderstand that. It's all about 110% pushing for better and more effective and more productive. Um, but some people don't don't have the same energy for that that I do. Um, I've, I've, I've always had it. I've always, I until lately, I was describing myself as a systems thinker, but systems thinking is a whole nother discipline and now yeah. maybe it's just systems intuition that yeah. i maybe i need to just um sort of think in those terms and it's that constant but in a finance application always trying to find a, a smarter slicker better way to do things there's, there's a really interesting thing what you just said there around systems thinking so I, i've done a bit of systems thinking training as well yeah. i find it, yeah. find it fascinating but yeah systems thinking itself has quite a rigid yeah. way of doing things and mm-hmm. i think what you're what you're describe what you're describing through the disruptive is actually you're pulling on different things and bringing it yeah. together yeah. in a, in a way which makes sense to you yeah. 
Yeah. And actually, I found with I think it, found, it sounds like you're describing me a little bit as well. <laughs> it's nice to thing- meet you, Mike. <laughs> Absolutely. And one of the things that I found is it's only with experience and and getting a bit longer in the tooth, I've realised that other people don't think like that. And actually, yeah. that is that is a special skill in and of itself that's useful. Um, and trying to be not disruptive necessarily, but you know, uh, what's it? Collaboratively. T- give that kind of collaborative disruption into into yeah. a team you need to be really careful about how you do it when basically people yeah. come across as being daft because I, they're not thinking i used to call it you. i used yeah. to call it collaborative innovation which made it sound you know <laughs> that sounds, really, that sounds better thank you really, really great and, and i you know tried to form this kind of hit squad of people yeah. who were purple people but yeah. um it sounds i'm stealing that i'm stealing collaborative innovation <laughs> It it sounds like um, you're that sort of person, Lynn, and we are definitely you're in the right place. And that is probably why uh, you won one of the Digital Finance Function Awards. And we actually had a question in this week about this. And I was going to put it to you because I think, you know, I can talk about what we do in terms of awards, but it would be nice to sort of hear it from, from your perspective. Uh-huh. And the question was, I saw your AE awards post. So I was at the Accounting Excellence Awards um, a couple of weeks ago, talked about it, and it was great. It was a really good event. Um, and they and the question was, I'm thinking about putting our team forward for the Jennies, which is what we call the Digital Finance Function Awards now. Um, but how likely am I to win? <laughs> which I thought was brilliant. Um, and is it worth me running just checking before I write the application? What what what, what would you? Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, I'm I'm glad they feel they can ask. <laughs> but, but I was a bit like, come on. Um, but but Lynn, what what would you say to that? In terms um, of bothering with an awards application, and I'm re- the- resisting the urge to say no, just for comedy effect. But um, no, <laughs> I'm going to say absolutely, hundred percent. If you don't, you're definitely not going to win. Um, it was super easy. The process is super easy. Um, for me, it was very intuitive. Um, just be honest and say what you do and and what you are striving for. Um, and it was, I mean, for me, I think the the probably the reason for saying it's worth it was because it was incredible winning it we absolutely we were over the moon I cannot tell you what an amazing night that was we loved it and and it was so um, rewarding for me for the team's reaction to it because it was the team award that we won huge I couldn't have you can't buy that kind of good feeling and the um, sort of validation that they got um, knowing that we were all going in the right direction and doing the right stuff from an external body like Gen CFO, um, which is fantastic. So I'd absolutely, it, it, yeah, if you, you have got a chance of winning and you've got a chance of experiencing that, 100% go for it. I, d- I don't know how likely they are to win, you know. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know if you that don't one. apply it, zero, isn't it? So <laughs> non zero. Can, 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 can I add to that? Because I think that there's, on that, on, in the spirit of that, Am I likely to win? If I'm not likely to win, I'm not going to apply is obviously a, a, a ridiculous thing. You should apply. and so <laughs> But actually, I think that the process of applying is is probably quite important. So we don't reflect enough on what we're doing. We don't reflect enough on what we're achieving. And I think for, for, for both you as an individual and your, the team that you work in, that process of reflection actually is a, an award in and of itself, right? You, mm-hmm. The only reason you're even thinking this is you think you're doing good stuff. Well, reflect on it and celebrate it anyway yeah. put in the application but that celebration is really important 
Yeah, and and if you're writing an an uh, application for you for a team, for example, then share. If you haven't written it, share it with the team and give them a pat on the back and say, I I really value what we're doing. And the other thing is, it's non-binary, isn't it? Because you might not win, but you might get shortlisted. And that itself, uh, we, we were very very pleased when we got sort of shortlisted. Didn't expect to win. You know, I I, I think that I love the fact that you're sort of calling out this halo effect that that there is Mm -hmm. with it i think sometimes people see it as like a point in time because that's the social media kind of world that we live in it's like oh last night there was a big awards and Mm. but there seems to be ongoing motivation as a result of that would that be fair to say very fair absolutely yeah they hang the team hang on to that for a long time good stuff good stuff so in answer to their question apply we're not going to tell you if you're going to win or not (laughs) And, you know, it's it's good for your career. It's good for your team. If you're a manager or whatever, it sounds like it's um, it's motivating for everybody as well. So and and I like what you're saying there, Mike, you know, just the process of sitting down and saying, look how much we've achieved. We've achieved so much to actually put put it forward as an award. Then, you know, that's that in itself, I think, is a great exercise. Cool. So, um we do, every week we're doing this. It's a bit of good data, bad data. Um, we're just calling a few things out and, uh, you know, Lynn, f- feel free to, to wade in. I, I've picked out, <clears throat> um, three, three good and then I'm going to pass to Mike. So the first one has a bit limp, but, uh, UK economy has grown <laughs> by 0.2%. Um, <laughs> I'll also say that might be bad data because if it's flatlining, we might have a problem and there's a bit, a bit of a worry about a recession. But, you know, we won't talk about that. It's it's the economy has grown. That's what's out there. Um, also, this is a bit of an in-joke, but uh, Wilco is back. Uh, Wilco, unfortunately, went to the wall, but it's been bought and it's been relaunched as an online brand. So everybody who loves a bargain in retail and then get yourself online to Wilco um and talking land of- like damn it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I wish I went out of business to be <laughs> and um and Ikea uh, I'm going to give them a shout out as well they are trying to cut costs at this time um given all of the inflationary pressures that are out there um it's it's amazing news to kind of see that from massive retailers uh, you I mean, pro- you mean not- prices, right? You mean prices, not <laughs> they don't say cut costs. They're, yeah, they're trying to cut I... their prices. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you work at IKEA, I think you're all right. Um, <laughs> I was, I was wondering. Yeah. <laughs> so you are you are buying um, at a lower price, hopefully, uh, which is always good news. So there's some positive news there, um, but there's a bit of well, bad data out there as well, right? Well. Mike? Well, well, we 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 struggled with the good stuff last week, so it's great that you found three. So I'm pleased with that. Yeah, no, the, the bad point two percent. I don't know, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, the bad the bad data. So somebody suggested this week um, that when they looked on the screen at at, at the uh, glitter being thrown over Keir Starmer, it looked very much like me. So I had to prove where I was to my my colleague. Um, yeah, I can assure you, it wasn't me at the uh, Labour Party conference. Well, they were wearing a shirt and suit, weren't they? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I mean, it's highly unlikely, right? Thank, <laughs> thanks, Chris. Um, but the but the bad data I wanted to point out, or the worrying data I wanted to point out, is is the deep fake audio of Keir Starmer that came out just before the Labour Party conference. And I think what was really worrying about it, or or concerning about it, is just how convincing it was. Mm. Um, I, for those of you that have not seen it, heard it, 
it basically was like a crackly iPhone, mobile phone recorded audio of Keir Starmer berating a member of staff using F-bombs all over the place. Um, it was quite quickly debunked. But the worry is that how convincing it was and and how in this kind of like time of fake news, it could be really, really easy for stuff like that to be part of the main discourse when it comes to things like general election, uh, yeah. general elections and stuff like that. So, yeah, real, really worrying use of data to create that deep fake audio. I, I've seen some as well it's incredible it's incredible technology but like you say it's it's uh it's hugely worrying that's why we need a lot of fact checking going on out there which uh was another conversation we had recently as well um the only, the only other bad data i had is that uh mike is away next week so we're gonna have to um record on another day but we will s- still be issuing weekly i suppose um, actually that's a, it's a data thing right the reason i'm away next week is a data thing because it's my son's 18th birthday and that is a data point <laughs> it is is it is it a, is it a happy day is it <laughs> what being 18 is he off is he off oh wow well. uh, no more pocket money. Are we please? Yeah. Somebody said to me the other day, um, I said, like, message, message, text message, and they said, could you let me know how, how you would like me to respond to this, please? <laughs> uh, we, we, are, we are happy that he is 18. Yes. Well, well done. Well done. Yeah, I feel that that definitely is a data point, uh, a life moment where um, he's he's on his own. <laughs> well, I don't, <laughs> until, the, until the next summer holiday. Exactly. It's one of his Thank you for listening today. Thanks for being part of this. If you are interested in um, connecting with us, then please reach out to Mike and I via LinkedIn. Or if you want to ask questions to us, then um, email podcast at generationcfo.com. Lynn, thanks very much for being here today. Really interesting points that you make. Um, I think the title has to be something around purple people and reluctant accountants. So I'll come back to that. Um, <laughs> no, thank you. It's been a pleasure. And uh, yeah, it's, it's great to hear um, everything that, that, you know, you've done through the awards and uh, good luck with next steps in your career. So um, just leaves me to say, you know, thanks again. Thank you, Mike. And remember, it's not all about the numbers. Mm-hmm.